Ready to talk about Ezekiel today? There's some good stuff in the scripture for us today, and I don't know about you, but anytime I get the opportunity to look into the Old Testament, into the way God built the story of Jesus into our lives through a long and storied history with his people Israel, it's a great opportunity to get to know the character of God and his plan for redeeming us through Jesus. That's the best part of all. And that's why we're calling this series Visions of Hope. Now, you might have seen in the news over the last few days some issues with Afghanistan. The images are disturbing. What you're going to see is people trying to climb up to the jetway. You're going to see people trying to get into the airport, trying to get into planes. And you're going to see people trying to leave the country of Afghanistan because there's a political turnover there. Now, I don't know how you feel about the politics. Church is not a place for politics. It's a place for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so teachers and preachers in the church, we focus on Jesus and we let the politics take care of itself. But I have to share with you personally, when I saw these images on social media this week, it was disturbing to me. And for example, it really led me to pray for not only the men, but the women and children in Afghanistan who are undergoing difficulty these days challenges that might even reach to the extent of taking their lives. However, it also reminded me of a time in Israel's history when the same thing happened. And in fact, in the book of Ezekiel, a lot of what Ezekiel talks about is that there's this coming catastrophe for the people of Jerusalem, which is the capital city of the southern part of the people of Israel called Judah. Now, the northern kingdom had already been conquered and taken away and the southern kingdom of Judah was under threat by its enemies. We've studied in past weeks in this series that the reason for that is because the people of Israel had turned away from their God. You see, God, there's one thing about God. God is one. The people of Israel have been saying for generations, God is one and there's only one God. And he is jealous for you. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. He is jealous for you. And by you, that means us. That means you and me. God is jealous for us. God will not share you with another God. Have you ever thought about it that way? And in fact, what was happening is that the people of Israel began to turn away from the one God who is jealous for them and wants them to be his people. And they were worshiping other gods. In fact, these other gods even cost them sometimes their own children through child sacrifice. It was a terrible situation in the time of Israel. A part of what Ezekiel's job was, was to go to Israel and warn them, if you don't turn away from these false gods, catastrophe is going to overtake you. Now, there is no implication for today's political situation in Afghanistan. I simply share that with you to say, it breaks my heart to see people suffering on such a large scale. Maybe it's unsettling for you. Maybe it's heartbreaking for you as well. The same happened to God's people, Israel. And it was Ezekiel's very difficult job to bring the news to them. Hey, because you have strayed away from your God, the one who made you, the one who gave everything for you and set you up in a kingdom under his rule, since you've turned away from him, this catastrophe is about to befall you. You're going to be conquered by the people of Babylon. And the way Babylon would do their conquering is they would first destroy the center of where you worship and live. So they destroyed the temple. 
and they carried off the people into exile. Now, what does exile mean? Exile simply means that the people were removed from their home and to leave their possessions behind and go to a brand new land settled outside of where they were comfortable and where they found home. This is exactly the vision that Ezekiel saw. He saw this vision of his people uprooted from their homeland and carried to a new place. And so his job was to warn them. And specifically in Ezekiel's message to Israel, in this particular setting, he addressed the leadership of Israel because Israel followed the example of their leaders. Now think about this for a second. Ezekiel 34 and verse 1 says this, The word of the Lord came to me, and me in this context is Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And remember, church, whenever you see the word Lord in all caps, what does that stand for? That's the name of God, right? It is Yahweh. But when this, the English Bible was written, they just kept the word Lord. And then, you know, if you've never run into an English Lord before, you don't really have a context for the word Lord. So we call that word Yahweh when we see Lord sometimes. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. Now here's what was happening in Israel. The reason Israel was following after foreign gods is because their leaders were leading the way in this. Their leaders were allowing foreign gods to come not only into the temple, but into all of Israel and mislead the people. And while that was happening, the leaders of Israel were taking care of who? They were taking care of themselves. So for example, if you reached out to me one day and text me and said, Mike or Pastor Mike, you know, I've got this need in my family and I want you to pray for me. And I wrote something back to you like, you know what? I don't have time for you right now. I'm watching Netflix. And let's say I was sitting on the couch at home eating curds in my favorite wool blanket. And I never responded to you positively with support. I never got back to you and said, hey, let me pray for you. I never set a time to follow up with you and come back to you and say, I care about what's going on in your life. I want to be there with you. If I didn't do those things and just simply took care of myself, I would not be executing the duties associated with my calling. It's the same that you see in the news at times when pastors and ministers in the church fall. They're not taking care of the flock in that circumstance. They're taking care of who? Themselves. And this is not a new problem, my friends. Look, this goes way back to ancient Israel. And Ezekiel was charged with calling that out. His job was to say, no, this is not the way the kingdom of God operates. And in fact, there's a proverb that deals with this idea. There was this feeling in Israel. Listen to this proverb. It says, when good people run things, everyone is glad. But when the ruler is bad, what happens? Everyone groans. It's like a national face palm. Just put your, your palm into your face right here and just go, oh, man. Like another day in the kingdom of Israel and watching Israel fall apart. It was a terrible time for them. And they knew that their enemies were at the doorstep. 
And that when they were conquered by their enemies, they knew how the Babylonians operated. They knew they would lose their homeland. And they knew they'd be taken off somewhere else. But it's just like I said a minute ago. God brings the heavy but doesn't leave you there. God always has a message of hope. See, this is the ministry of Jesus. Jesus comes along and lets you experience the difficulty of your choices and the difficulty of the time and the decisions you spend following after false gods. He lets you experience that for a moment. And in that same moment, he gives you hope. He gives you hope beyond your means. He lets you experience difficulty and he gives you hope. He lets you experience difficulty and he gives you hope. This is not a new idea. This is what Ezekiel learned from God. I myself, God says, will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and strong I will destroy. The scripture says, I will shepherd the flock with justice. Can you say this with me? One, two, three. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Now, when you hear the words justice these days, what do you think of? I don't know about you. I tend to think of social justice. Do you ever think of it in terms of social justice when you hear the word? And the idea is this. Whenever a people is downtrodden or persecuted, whenever a people is having a difficult time and there's something that we can do to bind together to help and we don't do that, that's a social injustice, isn't it? But if there's something that we can do to help, that is what we call social justice. This is how God sees justice. I want to share with you a scripture from Mark chapter 6. And I say that in kind of quotes because this particular instance in scripture is actually recorded in all four gospels. All four of the gospels sometimes don't carry the same stories and the same instances of Jesus's life and ministry. In this particular situation, all four of them have this story. It is the feeding of the 5,000. Here's what was happening. Jesus was leading his disciples around, teaching them about his ministry of justice. The fact that Jesus is the one who pays for our sins and dies on the cross, goes into the grave, rises again, ascends into heaven, and one day he will do what? He will return on the clouds. It is not you and I who can conquer our own sin. It is Jesus and his ministry in us that conquers the power of sin. Amen? It's his work in us. It's not us overcoming sin. It's God's work in us, giving us hope. Jesus demonstrates it with his, his disciples in this way. He leads them through the countryside, healing, teaching, preaching, and providing in this one circumstance, people were loving the message of the kingdom of God from Jesus and were following him places, even to the point where they passed where they brought food to take care of themselves. They loved the message of the coming kingdom of God so much, they forgot to pack extra lunches. And so they found themselves in the countryside following Jesus by the thousands and there wasn't anywhere to go eat. They couldn't pull the taco truck up. There was no food truck that they could go to and get lunch from. They didn't have a cooler where they could pull cool, pull cool drinks around behind them. They had no provision, no food, no water. And the scripture says that Jesus shows his disciples this scene. 
these people following him and loving and consuming the good news that he gives them. That it is not up to you to earn your salvation, but it is a free gift of God through my work, my being Jesus. They forgot about their food, but then they got hungry and they got weak. By this time, it was late in the day. So Jesus' disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. This is removed. There's no food anywhere, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages, buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answers this most provocatively and mysteriously. Can you say these words with me? Read it on the screen. You give them something to eat. See, Jesus operates like a shepherd. Jesus operates like a shepherd who leads sheep. Now, can sheep feed themselves? Technically, yes. Sheep have to bend down and eat the grass and chew it up and swallow it, right? But somebody has to lead them to the grass. Jesus is the leader who leads the flock to the grass. He is the shepherd. He is the one who leads you to where your soul is going to be fed. Jesus is the one who leads you to the place where you have the ability to have salvation, not through what you do, but what he has done. And in this case, what he will do. Look at the scripture in the Old Testament when you think about this dynamic of Jesus. In fact, I just want to read it for you. You've probably heard it a million times. But I want you to think of it in terms of the ministry of Jesus. And in terms of the good news that God gives all people through him, Psalm 23 is a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me the shepherd who travels with the flock. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why? Because they protect me, don't they? Look at this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, even in the presence of destruction, of difficulty, of challenge. God provides. You anoint my head with oil. Look at this, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, God is a God of abundance. Have you ever thought about that before? God is a God who provides abundantly. If you've ever been in a position where in some case in your life, some way in your life, your life didn't have abundance in it, it's because God was providing for you something that you needed more. And in that moment, it might have been trust. Trust in him. I want to share with you the story of a man named Dallas. Dallas is pictured here with Jesus. Now, this is not the real Jesus. This is Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in the online series called The Chosen. Dallas created the series and the story of Dallas's creation of The Chosen is pretty unique. Dallas had just made his way to Hollywood and had had a couple of small film successes, but then produced a large film project that a bunch of Hollywood big shots and studios got behind and funded and really lifted up and promoted. 
But then when that film flopped, Dallas realized that he had no future in Hollywood whatsoever. That film came out and on the first weekend, you guys know for a film to have success, it's got to sell tickets into the millions of dollars, right? This film that Dallas produced that flopped, it was like less than $350,000 in tickets it sold that weekend. So all the Hollywood big shots and all the studios turned away from him. They abandoned him and said, you've got no future in Hollywood. So what Dallas did instead is he took his skill as a director, which wasn't recognized anymore in Hollywood, and he started making short films for his church. He happened to live in the Chicagoland area and worked for a pretty big church here north of us by a few miles. But he took his skill as a director and produced these short films just for his church to use at Christmas time and at Easter time. What was interesting about this situation is that little bit that Dallas had to offer the world, those short films that weren't funded by Hollywood and weren't set up for great material success, got in the hands of someone who had a streaming service and thought, you know what? If we could crowdfund this producer, this director, we could create a series that could change the world. And when Dallas was approached by this group that had seen his short film that was just made for his own church and offered to set up crowdfunding for him, he groaned inside because the largest crowdfunding exercise that had ever taken place to that date was for $5.7 million through something like a GoFundMe, something like that. What's interesting about that is that when Dallas gave over his little bit that he had, his loaves and fishes, his little films that he was making, after having received the bad news that he'd never make it in Hollywood, when he gave over that little bit, God found it and took it and multiplied it. In fact, the first season of The Chosen was crowdfunded at $10 million within a few short weeks. The second season of The Chosen was crowdfunded at more than $12 million. And now Dallas is planning more than seven sessions of The Chosen. What The Chosen is, is it's hour-long episodes following Jesus in his life and ministry. As it stands right now, in the episodes that are coming and are out there on the internet for us to find through the app, the chosen app. Jesus is just getting started with his disciples. And it couldn't be more perfect timing because Dallas learned a very important lesson. You take what little you have, the two you know, loaves and fishes, the, the, the handful of lunch that you have. You take the little bit that you have and you give it over to God. And God has the power to multiply that innumerably. He has the power to take that little bit and to multiply it out of your control. Dallas learned that because now his work is all over the world translated in more than 50 languages. If you've never seen The Chosen before, I dare you to watch it. It will change the way you think about Jesus and his people. You are one of them. In fact, Dallas has made his series absolutely free. But he's also given you the opportunity to participate in crowdfunding it forward. 
so that millions of untold people will be able to be introduced to Jesus in their own language. Now, can you imagine if Dallas had given up when his big production, Hollywood production, failed? Can you imagine if he had stopped? But I'll share this as a part of his story. And you can look up his story on YouTube if you want. It's pretty amazing. The one event in the Bible that changed his mind about how he was going to use his gift was the feeding of the 5,000. Because when he saw that story again, reading it with his wife, he understood what Jesus wanted. Jesus didn't want Dallas to feed the 5,000. He doesn't want Israel to feed the 5,000. He doesn't want you feeding the 5,000. He doesn't want you conquering the world for yourself or for him. What he wants is your loaves and fishes. It's your little short stories. It's your opportunities to fail in him and to hand those little things over to him. And in those moments, he takes them and with your trust in him, explodes them into something beyond your capability, power, or imagination. In the same way he did for Dallas, Dallas receives a message from a random Facebook friend out in Romania, somebody he'd not even talked to in more than a year. And the person said this, he said, your job is not to feed the 5,000. Your job is to bring the bread and the fish. Think of it this way. Jesus has given you peace with God. That's your loaves and fish. He has given you peace with God. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that there's something that still stands between you and the God who made you? If you believe that, then you're going to experience what is called the good news of the gospel right now. My friend, listen, listen. There is nothing that keeps you separated from the God who made you because of the work of Jesus. There is nothing. The work of Jesus takes that away. And that gives us peace when we hear and believe and trust in that message. That little piece of peace is what we bring. And God takes that and multiplies that around us. Think about it this way. There's a scripture in John chapter 14 where Jesus instructs his disciples about his brand of peace. He says, my, I leave my peace with you. I give my peace to you. I do not give it to you as the world does. The world says, create your own sense of peace. Create your own kingdom. Create your own gods. Create your own worship objects. Create your own peace. God says, no. You can't do that, and that's good news. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. I do not give it to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So we do this thing every year called the blessing of the backpacks, and we're going to do that at the end of our service today when the kids come back in. The reason we do this is not to do some kind of magical hocus pocus over the kids' backpacks and bless them with some magic. That's not it. What we want our kids to know is this. 
God gives you peace through Jesus, and there's no way you can earn that. That's good news. God loves you so much that he gives you his son's blood and body and soul, mind and strength. God loves you so much that he holds nothing back from you. And that will give you peace that nothing in this world can equal. Take that little bit of peace with you into the new school year. If you run into a teacher or a friend or your parent one day or a friend out there in, in your adult life who doesn't have the peace of God that passes understanding, the little bit of peace that you have with God through Jesus, that can be shared with someone and God can do innumerable things with it. Think about that. It's not the bigness of what you create. It is the littleness of what you bring that God uses to do miracles. Do you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for giving us your peace. Thank you for leading us to a place where you provide. And even when our human leaders fall and fail, we know that you never will. When our human leaders succeed and everyone is glad, we can look at you and say, God, look what you have done. Look what you have made in that person and rejoice for that. But no matter what, God, we know you are there, that you lead and provide, that you are a God of abundance and not scarcity. And that what you're looking for from us is to take what little we have, whatever that might be, and to use it for innumerable kingdom purposes. You taught that to Dallas in a very extreme and public way. God, in my own personal and private way, Show me that I have peace with you through Jesus. And that peace is worth everything. When it is shared with others, you take it and do miracles with it. We love you and we praise you. You are our hope, our vision. We worship you in this moment. In your name we pray, amen. Just stand and join us as we sing.